When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. Welcome to The Dugout, a podcast from Sports Social featuring former Premier League professionals. And professional seems to be the operative word right now, with another transfer window done and dusted. Is player power stronger than ever? From forcing moves to significant speculation, what's it really like at this time of the season for a player? It seems like talking transfers was enough to cost Scott Parker his job at Bournemouth as the Cherries became the first side to make a switch in the hot seat this season. We'll look back at that as well as what's been a hectic seven days with what might be three games in a week for some players. This weekend serves up a Merseyside derby at Goodison Park, a London derby at Stamford Bridge and the stop Erling Haaland at all costs derby as Villa entertain Manchester City. My name's Niall, welcome to the show and welcome back to today's guests. We've got former Premier League players Francis Benali and Matty Fryatt with us. Hello gents, how have you been? All good, Niall, thank you. Good to join you again. Looking forward to this one. Yeah, likewise. First of all, though, let's get stuck into this weekend in the top flight. Some big games to look forward to. And let's focus on three of the ones that we've picked out for special focus. And it's always special in Merseyside when Everton and Liverpool meet head-to-head. Saturday, 12.30, the first game of the weekend. And Everton, Matty, they need a win, don't they? They're 17th after the first four games of the season. Do you think that the fact that this derby is at Goodison Park can be used to their advantage against Liverpool this weekend? I think so. I think we saw from the back end of last year as well how having the fans on side and they sort of pushed Everton over the line last year. Uh, I know they were trying to stave off relegation and managed to do so, but the, the Everton fans are fantastic. It's obviously... a uh, sort of a hostile, close, tight um, stadium where it's one of them where you feel that the fans are right behind you and as an opposition player, you feel like the fans are there to sort of grab your legs. Um, It's that sort of intimidating. Um, However, Liverpool have got a really good record against Everton and last time out, it was um, all Liverpool. So Everton do need a win. Um, but I think it's a good time to be playing Liverpool. I think the 
they're not as quite as foursome as what they were last year. I think um, Marnie in particular has been a big loss and they're just finding the way. Obviously, they showed resilience and a fighting spirit to, to win the last game out and get a winner late on. Um, but I think it's a good time to be playing them. Um, they're not quite into the stride yet as what they were last year. Um, but at the same time for Everton, it's uh, I wouldn't say a must-win, but they'll be looking to get three points. Obviously, Anthony Gordon's in good form. Um, but I do I do worry where the goals are going to come as a, as a collective as opposed to one individual. You look throughout the Everton team and it doesn't strike me as a team that are going to score many. And, and with Liverpool's attacking power, you always feel they're going to get a goal. So, um, yeah, it's whether Everton can um, get a goal and sort of hang on or, uh, like you say, have the crowd behind them to really push on and... Um, sort of intimidate Liverpool, if if that's possible. I want to talk about Anthony Gordon a little bit later on in the podcast because loads of speculation around him and, of course, scored against Leeds in the week. But we'll save that for now. And let's focus on Liverpool for a second, Franny, because they lost to Manchester United, didn't they, at Old Trafford a couple of weeks ago on that Monday night. The atmosphere was brilliant inside Old Trafford. They ended up losing 2-1 and they were outplayed in that game. I think everyone can admit that. But they responded by absolutely destroying Bournemouth 9-0. But in their most recent match, they were run close by Newcastle and needed a 98th minute winner to seal the three points. So in terms of the performance levels, you've got a close run thing against Newcastle. They destroyed Bournemouth and were on the top of their game as we've seen them be at times throughout the last couple of years. But against Manchester United, they were completely off it. So three different performances in the last three games. Are there any concerns for Jurgen Klopp, do you think, over those performance levels? Yeah, I, I think clearly Jurgen Klopp is, is going to be scratching his head. He's, he's clearly got the injury issues, which is, is a factor. Um, but th- this season as a whole just seems to have been really odd in the sense that, you know, we've seen levels of performances from big teams that you, you just wouldn't have expected uh, this early on in the season. You know, you always expect maybe a little dip at some point. Um, I, I guess we could say... It's a, Accused that all the clubs, maybe bar Arsenal at this this point of the season, um, who have had a fantastic start. But yeah, Jurgen Klopp will be just trying to find that one level of performance, but two, the consistency uh, as well, and just trying to get into some kind of rhythm and um, and and just clicking into gear again. I, I think you know they they've got Champions League matches coming up, which is going to add to their their workload and and the um, the fixture congestion, and and that's going to be a challenge for them as well, given that they're you know they're stretched a little bit with some injuries, uh, but maybe this this fixture will be the, the the tonic for either team, Everton or Liverpool. It could be just the match that both both clubs need to to just kickstart their season, and none, none more so than than Everton's perspective. Really, this could be a a real opportunity. I I'll take on board Matt's points about you know where the goals are going to come from, maybe, but and how they have struggled, but. Given that they've they've drawn the last three Everton, this could be the, a real opportunity for them in front of their home fans to to get a win on the board and against their their neighbours. Um, so it should be a fascinating match, but one that both clubs are going into, not really firing on all cylinders just yet. 
Yeah, Everton do need a win 17th after four games, like I said, yet to pick up their first three points of the Premier League season. And they welcome their neighbours, as Franny says, from across Stanley Park to Goodison Park, 12.30pm kickoff on Saturday. Slightly later, at the three o'clock kickoff time on Saturday, is another derby, this time a London derby. West Ham in their second London derby in a row as they travel to Chelsea. But they're always good games between these two, the Blues and the Hammers. Um, Do you think they can capitalise on Chelsea's poor start Matty because West Ham haven't had the greatest start themselves but things are a little bit up and down for Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea at the moment yeah it's quite surprising with um, Chelsea obviously they've spent a bit of money but at the same time players have gone out and the performance in midweek was disappointing to say the least Um, they missed a little bit of bite in midfield Um, obviously Kovacic and Kanti are out and it was one of those performances where Fans ask questions about it. it. It wasn't good enough. And um, as much as they've done a lot of spending and there is slight pressure with Tuchel with the, the amount he's spent now, um, they still haven't got a recognised forward. They're playing with Havertz, Sterling. Obviously, Sterling can get goals. Havertz is an incredibly talented player, but there isn't a recognised forward, um, which is a strange one. Obviously, they've spent big money on defenders. But they're probably loaded with defenders in the squad. I know Rudiger went, but they've replaced that with Koulibaly. Um, obviously, Kukurella, Fafana coming in. But in terms of an area where you'd think they'd want to strengthen, you you look at the forward area. Lukaku went, Werner went. didn't quite work out for both of them, even though you'd think Lukaku was nailed on to... you think he's everything Chelsea would have needed, but they haven't sort of replaced anyone in the forward area, whether that changes or not. Um, I can't. Maybe if they bring apparently a Babyang coming in, that would be a big signing. Um, how do you how do you think Broyu is feeling, Matty? You know, because he's obviously gone back from after being at Southampton and joined the Chelsea ranks again. And like you say, it's clear that they're looking for that number nine somehow. And he's an out and out striker. How, how do you think he must be feeling where he's not being put in at this point? With Broyu, I like him. I think he did well at times last year at Southampton. Um, he can be a little bit inconsistent, which is which all young players can be. Um, but I think he's got to earn the manager's trust being a young player. As much as around the squad, and you think, give him a chance. When he comes on or gets that opportunity, he's got to take it. Um, as you normally favour the ones you've signed or a little bit more experience, I think you have to earn your way in. So when he does get that chance, or even if it's a few minutes, he's got to really take take the most of that opportunity. Uh, the minute it's one of them where he's sort of in the squad on on the bench, might come on, might not. But I think he's got to gain that trust. Uh, although he did well last year, but it's a different different level. Uh, that's no disrespect to South, Southampton, but it's the next step up. He's got to earn the manager's trust a bit more. Um, but again, like you say, he's, he's a recognised number nine and something they haven't got at the minute. So um, on, on, on to sort of West Ham, I haven't, touched on West Ham yet they're sort of integrating new players aren't they I thought last year they did ever so well um, for three quarters of the season then there wasn't that squad depth and then this season they've added a few players it's just how they're going to integrate them into the into the team as well as getting the blend I think they wouldn't say they went stale but I think they ran out of a bit bit of legs last year and it's sort of been a knock-on effect but by all accounts, they were uh, 
good midweek against Tottenham, so they'll be uh, looking forward to this clash. Yeah, Declan Rice said it was a really positive point for West Ham against Tottenham, but no points to speak of for Chelsea, as you've already mentioned, Matty. What was it about Chelsea that caused them to be off the pace against your club Southampton on, on Tuesday night, Franny? What did you see from Chelsea that maybe surprised you? I think, again, it's you know, a little bit like we spoke about Liverpool. It's, it's finding those consistency levels. Um, you know, I, I, I've heard Tuchel saying how he's, uh, he's down to the bones a little bit and he's got injuries and one thing or another, yet he's made all these signings and spent the money he has. It's, uh, you know, you, maybe he wouldn't want to be in the shoes of some of the other Premier League managers, uh, you know, given their resources and things. So, yeah, yeah, it seems a little bit like, you know, they're, they're not firing either. I, I don't think they... They started, or, or they weren't able to sustain through the game um, enough energy uh, against Southampton. Uh, I, I think it was always going to be a case Saints were going to be pressing them and putting them on the, the back foot if they could. And Southampton did that better than than Chelsea did on the than on the night. Uh, and, and when Chelsea took the lead, you think, well, here we go. It's uh, you know this is going to be maybe one way traffic. But um, yeah, it, it, it wasn't like that. Uh, and Southampton, to their credit, obviously worked their way back into the game. But uh, yeah, it would have been worrying signs, I think, for Chelsea, knowing that, you know, seeing them, no one would expect maybe them to be sat in ninth place at this relatively early stage of the season. But um, yeah, maybe just those consistency levels, that, that little bit of hunger uh, and desire was, was lacking a little bit. Um, and at the same time, though, you know, clearly in, in any given game, we, we, we look at maybe where we can pick holes or pick the, 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 the negatives for a team. But uh, sometimes you've just got to give a bit of credit to the opposition. And I think Southampton on the night certainly deserved the, the, the win because of the way that they played as well. Yeah, and I think as well with what's happened behind the scenes at Chelsea in the last few months, we know they've been very active in the transfer window, but it's probably not been easy for the club to adapt after the change of ownership and the amount of changes there's been, not just at board level, but in terms of personnel as well. And I think that it's important for for Chelsea fans to remember that only a few months ago, it was uncertain whether they'd even be ever at the same level again. And yet, you know, their aspirations under the new owner are to try and be heavyweight hitters in the Premier League. But their next test is at home to West Ham Saturday, three o'clock. And to round off half five on Saturday is Aston Villa, versus Manchester City. Now, Villa having Arsenal and Man City back-to-back, Matty, was always going to be a hard little run of fixtures. But how much pressure is Steven Gerrard now under? He's less than a year into the job and Villa, of course, aren't exactly where they want to be. No, they're not. Um, but when I look at the signings, as much as he got his players in early doors, would they be much higher than... I suppose last last weekend's game was a disappointment losing at, losing at home. Um, and it's a lot of outside pressure that's come on to Steven Gerrard so soon. We're talking four games into the season, and last year, obviously, there's initial reaction when he went went in, and then it sort of faded out a little bit. But he got the players he wanted in early doors, even though there hasn't been that many recruited. Uh, initially, he's thinking Villa are doing a lot of signing, but really, they've signed three or four players that are going to be pushing for the the starting eleven. Um. But I think with the Tyrone Mings situation, that's another added distraction, a bit of focus on Aston Villa. Um, Diego Carlos, obviously injured, so his replacement gets injured. 
and conceding goals as well. Basic, basic goals. Um, and I don't think he knows his best team. I think there's a little bit of trust that's lacking at the minute. Um, he's got a conundrum as well with Coutinho. He, he has there's moments where he shows flashes, but I'm not quite. I don't think Gerard knows what what his best team is and how he's going to find the best out Coutinho at the minute. And Buendi is a similar player. Um, but it goes looking at the Villa team. They've they've got to start keeping clean sheets, and obviously it's a very very difficult proposition against Man City. And having come off a game against Arsenal, who are flying at the minute, it's it's difficult. But they are conceding cheap goals, and that's got to be a frustration. But then the other th- points come to the fore, don't they? About situations with the captaincy, um, outside noises, um, and already speaking four games in that you might lose. It's just to be honest, it is ludicrous. But there is that pressure and you, you're hearing it. You've just asked me the question. It's, I think he got asked the, the question in midweek again after losing 2-1 against the team who's top of the league. It's um, a bit unnecessary, but they need to need to be solid. And it's a it's such a difficult game against Man City. It's You couldn't, to be honest, ask the, the two form teams, aren't they? Obviously, Man City are outstanding, but having Arsenal, it's... It's so difficult. It'd be the worst teams you'd want at this this moment in time. But last weekend um, was a really bad result at home, so they're going to have to pick it up and um, start performing. Because if not, there'll be even more pressure. Yeah, Man City off the back of a six nil win against Nottingham Forest in the week. Erling Haaland scoring a hat trick, back to back hat tricks now for the big Norwegian. You talk about defensive problems and. Steven Gerrard's mentioned messages not getting through to his players, Franny. The last thing you want is a breakdown in communication or some defensive frailties when you're coming up against this absolute goal machine who scored six in his last two games. And we were discussing it earlier this week on the podcast. Someone said that he's already 25% of the way to being an all-time record goal scorer in one season in the Premier League. And we've only played five games. So this guy is uh, he's tough to stop, isn't he? Oh, I think we've touched on it before, maybe. And, you know, I've spoke a couple of times about Haaland. Those were, clearly, he's attracting that, that, that topic and discussion point through the way that he's just hit the ground running. Uh, I, I think clearly we, we all knew that this was maybe a piece of the jigsaw for for Pep and Man City that was has been missing maybe for a little while. Uh, and oh my word, I mean, I don't know about Matty's views, but, you know, as, as a former defender, you know, he will be causing nightmares to Premier League defences, clearly. Uh, you know, just his hunger for goals, um, his ability to, to, to take up the right positions, his physical strength, his speed, uh, his aggressiveness, I guess, in in a way of like, I'm just going to bundle defenders out of the way and nothing's going to stop me scoring kind of mentality is is just there for everyone to see. And well, as you say, two, two hat-tricks back to back. He's certainly, you know, setting the Premier League alight. And uh, I guess in many ways, unsurprisingly, really, but it, it, it's just going to be at the cost, as we've seen already, to, to the teams that they come up against. And this is going to be one that the the Saston Villa lineup, whatever Steven Gerrard puts out, is going to have their hands full. Clearly, not just with him, but the rest of the Man City team, because they're 
they're pretty formidable and um, having only dropped a couple of points against that draw that against Newcastle United they're they're pretty much bang on it at the moment City and I can't see this being any different in this fixture yeah, interesting run of games they got coming up as well with the Champions League starting very soon. Aston Villa versus City is at 5.30 on Saturday. Some of the other games in the Premier League this weekend that we haven't touched upon. Brentford against Leeds, Newcastle versus Crystal Palace, Nottingham Forest welcome Bournemouth. Spurs take on Fulham in another London derby for Tottenham. Wolves take on Southampton and on Sunday, Brighton, Leicester and Manchester United Arsenal are the two fixtures. Right then, next up we're going to talk about Scott Parker who unfortunately for him lost his job at Bournemouth in the week on the back of a 9-0 defeat to Liverpool. But the suggestions are that it wasn't the result in that game that cost Scott Parker his role at the club. We'll talk about it next after this. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. Welcome back. This is The Dugout, your Premier League podcast from Sports Social, featuring former top flight professionals Francis Benali, a Southampton hero, and uh, Matty Fry, formerly of Leicester City and Hull City, is alongside me as well. And we're going to talk about Scott Parker now because the big news this week is that we have had the first sacking of the season. Parker dismissed by Bournemouth off the back of losing 9-0 to Liverpool, but it seems like the decision was not made because of the football or the results but more about how Parker was talking to the media and in particular about the club's transfer activity. I'll come to you first, Franny. Can you understand why Scott Parker has gone? Because having spoken to a couple of Bournemouth fans, it feels like really it wasn't to do with the football because their opening fixtures of Villa on the opening day, who they beat, and then Manchester City, Liverpool and Arsenal in their other three games was always going to be a tough run and they managed to get three points out of those four games which is with no disrespect to Bournemouth probably as good as they could have hoped for but by the sounds of the noises coming out of the fans uh, of Bournemouth it, it seems like there's more to it than just a 9-0 defeat. Yeah it certainly does Niall doesn't it I mean who knows what the, the full story is but if you if you go and buy performances and results yes that was a huge defeat that they, they took against Liverpool um, but quite clearly from reading between the lines and some things that have been said and the, the statement that was released by the owner that the, the comments uh, and I forget the word that was used, almost like that being on the same page and having um, you know, respect, I think was a word mm-hmm. that was used in the statement, wasn't it? 
for the club and people. I think it there. was uh, alignment. The word Franny. Alignment I think. was it? That's right. Yeah, it's um, it clearly maybe indicates, and you know, from the things we picked up from Scott Parker himself, talking about sort of uh, maybe the, the 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 quality of players and um, signings, etc. That you, you've got to imagine that there's been some sort of. Uh, disagreements behind closed doors as well and when you start sort of coming out a little bit more publicly like that it's no surprise really that there's been this decision taken as much as I don't like to see managers losing their their roles at at this stage of a season um, clearly if there's there's other factors that are part of that decision then clearly you you need to all be in on 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 the same page and uh, if that's not the case then they've Clearly, as we've seen, made that decision early. Uh, but I mean, who who do they bring in? I mean, it's is it Gary O'Neill and, and the other staff that are sort of taking temporary charge? It's it's, it's going to be one of those dilemmas because if you want to bring someone in, that's going to sort of work along the, the the budgets and and the difficulties that a club like Bournemouth are going to have, having just been promoted. Then it's, it's a special kind of manager that is going to be willing to go in there as well. It's not just from the club's point of view, you know, who's going to want to go in knowing what a tough job it is going to be in keeping Bournemouth in the Premier League this season. Yeah, I think when I spoke at the top of the show about professionalism, I was kind of hinting at at Scott Parker because as a professional and as a manager, naturally he wants to do the best he can. He wants to have the best players at his disposal, but it doesn't feel like, and we go back to that word alignment that was used in the Bournemouth statement, doesn't feel like maybe it was um, the wisest thing for him to do to come out and make those comments but it was almost a kind of a conflicting thing between what he wants internally as a professional himself as a manager who wants to achieve as as good as he can with what he's got and try and improve the squad but also you know you kind of have to remember where you are and and who you work for at the end of the day so it's a really interesting one this dismissal of Scott Parker obviously the 9-0 might have had something to do with it Matty but it seems like it's probably not the case it was more the outside factors that caused him to lose his job but when you do get beat heavily like that I mean I, I can't imagine you've ever been beaten by that scoreline in your career but what's it like as a player when you do get hammered in a game and you and you lose handsomely do you do you get a, a feeling that a manager might be on the way out? I mean, what are the emotions in the dressing room when things like that happen? Yeah, it's sort of on the cards. It's a, a performance where you think afterwards or in the game where the manager could get the sack for the type of performance. I've had it, unfortunately, numerous times where the team's been on a poor run and it's that one game where you think the players don't even look up for it. There's no energy and you come off, a, not saying a 9-0, but a a defeat and it's just the manner in the defeat uh, and then the writings on the wall from the previous performances but that wasn't the case in this situation it didn't matter whether it was a 9-0 loss a 1-0 loss even a draw I think he was very emotional uh, whereas obviously his heart on his sleeve and he just said what he was feeling I think it could have been done behind closed doors um, and I don't know how Franny feels on this but for the players already at the club, it just sent out a message as if we're rubbish, we're going to get beat, I need some players. Now, if I'm in that squad, I'm thinking, well, we know we're not as good as Man City, we know we're not as good as Liverpool, we know we're not as good as Arsenal, Chelsea, etc. But when you're already going in with your manager telling you you're rubbish, 
it, it doesn't create a good environment. And not only on saying that we need some more players, but the players already there who have performed ever so well to get them back up and started quite well. Because really, on paper, you'd expect them to beat Villa. Um, exp- the only game you'd expect them to pick up points would be Villa, and which they did so. And then to hear that after, yeah, a disappointing performance, it, yeah, 9-0, 3-0, they were probably going to lose to Liverpool. But then to hear that, I don't know, like say, how you'd feel, Franny, but I'd feel like, gosh, are you even good enough to manage us? What What's going on here? I'd be deflated anyway. As obviously, they put their effort out there. Just They were outclassed. Yeah, as, as you say, sort of like the, the, the defeat and the, the scoreline, clearly he was shell-shocked. I think wasn't he, and there's other reasons, and you know uh, the difficulties that Scott Parker and his squad at Bournemouth face. Um, but yeah, maybe the emotional side of it just came into it in those interviews and the comments that he made, and maybe in, in hindsight and reflecting on it, maybe he would have chosen some different words possibly. But I, I guess, as you say, he's he's a guy that wears his heart on his sleeve, says it as it is. But at the same time, I agree with you, Matty, that. There's an element of he is the leader, if you like, ultimately, isn't he? And, um, you know, he's the, the person that you're looking to, even if, like you say, you, you know you're not the best and you, you almost don't want to be told that, do you, no, as a player no, or wouldn't. as a group of players? You know, and even if you know that yourselves, you know, you, you still go along that route of saying, you know, we're going to compete, we'll do the best that we can and, and everyone sticks to that sort of agenda. But that maybe comes to the comments that you mentioned now about, the comment that came out of Bournemouth was the, the alignment. And, you know, if, if you're not on those parallel lines together, then, you know, there's, there's going to be conflict one way or another. Yeah, I mean, I do think this is it's quite fascinating, really, the, the dismissal of Scott Parker when you've get, been beaten 9-0. And, you know, the reason for your dismissal is not the result, but more what you said after the result, which is, which is crazy, actually, when you think about it. Um, so I wonder who Bournemouth will have as their new manager. Maybe we'll know by this time next week, but I thought Gary O'Neill did a decent job in temporary charge as they drew 0-0 midweek with Wolverhampton Wanderers. And of course, these midweek fixtures means that come this weekend, it would be three games in seven days for some of these players, not just for Bournemouth, but of course, right across the top flight. How tough is that to recover from, Matty? You played a lot of games in the Football League where there's you know, regular runs of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. I mean, but Saturday, Tuesday, the following Saturday, three games in seven days. Is is that tough for professionals, especially in a league like the Premier League, where it is physical, it's intense? How difficult is that as a player to, to pick yourself back up for? It's difficult. You'll go into games and you'll feel, of course, not 100%, but so will the opposition players. Um, sometimes you'll be going to games carrying knocks, not quite there in terms of your legs. And it also uh, a mental side of it. If you if you're not playing well, it's always more difficult to sort of get your head around it. As if you're coming off the back of a nine nil win or six nil win, it's it's a lot more easier, full of confidence, ready for the next one. It doesn't matter whether they're every single day, whether there's three games a week, whatever. If you keep on getting beat or struggling for form, it's always harder to sort of get that extra energy. That's always a difficult one. But again, Premier League squads are huge. Um, there's players who want want to be ready to play. So if someone hasn't performed in the week, someone's going to be there hoping to start at the weekend. So you've got to be on your toes. And there is that competition within a squad. Um, but again, 
three games. The, the, these players should be used to it. We're we're looking at the start of the season. They've got a break coming up as well in the international thing. So, yes, it's more difficult to get up for it if you're struggling with form. Um, and I'm sure when you're winning, you want a game to be arriving every single day. Um, and you will be going to game feeling a little bit sore at times, but so will the opposition. also think it's more difficult without the ball. Certain teams are doing a lot more running without it, as if you're facing a Man City, Liverpool, etc., have got more of the ball and you're doing a lot more chasing. It's Also, that's uh, exhausting and that takes it more out of you, I suppose, running against the ball than with it. So sort of different styles but you've got to be at it like like the other Franny said the other the other night with Chelsea they they weren't quite at it so you know every single premier league game you've got to be on it there's no there's no given uh, and if you're not you're um you're going to be struggling but you do need that that energy and it is sometimes difficult especially with the the amount of games in a short space of time. Yeah, obviously the fitness and strength and conditioning these days is as good as it's ever been in, in professional football. But building on Matty's point there, which I think is a really good one, Franny, how difficult is it sometimes for players to be honest about their conditioning and how they're feeling physically when you're going into a busy period of games like this? For example, as Matty says, you might not flag up a knock because you've got a place in the team, you're playing quite well and you don't want to lose your place if someone else comes in. So there's an element of pride there, but also there's an element of responsibility in admitting that maybe you're not quite ready for the match or a third match in a week because you don't want to injure yourself. It's an interesting one to figure out, I think. Yeah, it is, Niall, isn't it? And, and I think you used the word there, professionalism. I, I also include in that like a culture of a football club as well. I think in that, and under that comes honesty. Um, clearly, you know, if you're in a side and you... You've got the shirt. You want to be in that starting eleven, and uh, as Matty said, you know, the, very rarely are you playing with, you know, 100% ready to go. You know, it's either a little niggle or some sort of fatigue, whatever it might be, with the workload that you've been playing. Um, but certainly, you know, I cast my mind back to, as a player. You'd much rather be playing games than almost doing a lot of training in between and having games few and far between. So, you know, even when they came thick and fast, there was the the physical demanding element on your body but uh, clearly you know I, I as I used to see it it was something if it was a niggle or an injury or a little bit of a problem is it something that's ultimately going to stop you or not enable you to perform to your, your best if it isn't then you crack on and you get on with it if, if it is it's a conversation that you almost have with the management team or the medical team to say look I'm not a hundred percent I'm 75 50 80 whatever and then almost like sharing that decision about whether you play or not. And I think you've got to be open and honest in that. And whatever, having said that, I remember playing in a game where I, I broke my arm in a match and I stayed on the pitch when I probably shouldn't have done because, you know, I, I certainly wasn't very good at taking throw-ins after that, put it that way. But, um, you know, there, there, there's, there's that point that, you know, you, you getting that balance again is, is, is right and being honest and being truthful and, and recognising when you maybe need to step out of a team and when you can just play through something and just give it your best. How did you break your arm, Franny? Tell us about that. I'm not sure I've heard that story before. Yeah, yeah. It was um, away in a game against Leicester City and a ball went up in the air. And you know when your eyes light up thinking, I'm going to go and win this and I'm going to go and head, you know, challenge for the header. And I had a lot of ground to make up. So I was travelling really quick and I was a little bit late getting there and I couldn't, because of the speed I was going, jump very high. So 
I, I put my forearm up in front of me to, to try and protect myself a little bit in the challenge. And the speed I was going at, my forearm just clattered into the, the back of my, my opponent and it, it fractured, yeah, sort of like had a displaced fracture of uh, my forearm, which was uh, pretty painful. Yeah, I was going to say, whose whose head is strong enough to break someone's arm? I want to, I want to know which player that was. Yeah. Um, I, I've got a feeling it might have been uh, Impy. Was it Andrew Impy? Oh, maybe. I'm trying to express that. It was Impy. I, I, I think I can't remember, but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, probably a challenge I shouldn't have gone for. You know, a bit, bit daft setting off on it in the first place. I was going to ask what sort of a player you were, Franny, I guess. Were you the sort of player that would train light and then be really sort of intense in the games? Because you hear these stories, don't you, about some players who are just sort of 100 miles an hour, whether it's training, whether it's matches, they're just absolutely caning it every time that they're they're stepping out there. Um, do you have, Did you ever have that? Or are there any players that come to mind that, that you think of when... When we talk about stuff like that, I was a bit like that. Yeah, I, I felt I had to be, you know, like almost like train as I wanted to play. Uh, I I couldn't almost like flick a switch and cruise through the week and then think, right, okay, I'm going to turn it on on a match day now. It, it in my way was was just like I'm going to max out within reason through the week and and train how I want to play and then it just became a little bit of a habit for me. It's really interesting to hear both of your thoughts on you know, the, the ideas around strength and conditioning in the modern game and just sort of the, the thoughts on Scott Parker as well and what's been going on there. We're going to take a turn away from that, though, next on the podcast. We're going to look at the transfer window, not so much the deals that have happened, but in general, how it can affect players. What's it like when you make a transfer to a new club? We'll talk about it after this on The Dugout. The Dugout, Premier League preview, Football Social Daily. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Dugout. Premier League preview. Football Social Daily. Welcome back. Final part of today's show. I'm going to talk the transfer window now, or at least transfers when it comes to a player's perspective. I want to know how much of a distraction it can be. I've got Matty Fryer and Francis Benali with me. Come to you, Matty. How much of a distraction can that transfer speculation be for managers and players? I'm thinking someone like Brendan Rodgers, for example, who's had a lot to deal with this last few weeks, particularly with Wesley Fofana. It feels like that whole saga and what's going on around Leicester has made it difficult for them to really operate uh, full capacity uh, what's that like when you're a player or what do you think it might be like as a manager when there is that element of specula- speculation swirling around the club I think it'd be really difficult as a manager it's a, a really difficult situation and then obviously once the player has been distracted and is thinking about going elsewhere then you're left in a scenario where all you can do is get the most money as possible for him because if not, he's not playing or he's not needed in the team. Not not so much needed, but he's been distracted. He obviously made it clear he didn't want to be at the club any longer and had aspirations to go elsewhere. Um, normally in transfer situations, something 
you're looking for it. The players looking for it. Certain players, if they're happy or just playing the football, they continue to do that. But in this case, he's obviously wanting to play Champions League football. It's a massive move. I think it's really good money for Leicester. Something isn't quite right with what club you're at if you're looking for a transfer. Whether you've got aspirations to play higher or not, or if you're not in the team or half and half. If you're normally happy and enjoying your football, you'd if a move does come, it's sort of out of the blue. But normally these things, you're sort of forcing it and looking elsewhere. So it's difficult once a player's been distracted to get him back in, regardless if he's your top one of your top defenders. But at the same time, it hasn't helped Leicester that they've been conceding goals and he's obviously a player with huge potential. So there's always that focus after the game more so. Yeah, I mean, with Wesley Fofana, to use him as an example, he did effectively force his move to Chelsea. So how much player power do you think there is in the game nowadays, Franny? It seems like it's kind of grown in significance over the years. Massively different to to probably when Matty and I were were playing. I'm that little bit older and, uh, you know, certainly player power wasn't really a thing at all back in my days. Um, You know, there's, there's the... The norm of agents now as well uh, that are in the mix, uh, which which in certain circumstances probably probably don't help help the situations. Um, but yeah, I, I would say the, the the players themselves have a huge amount of power uh, and can make things very difficult at a club within the dressing room. And that's the other thing to consider as well is that you know the club and the management team have got to consider the harmony of the dressing room as well. You know, is is this a a scenario or a potential move or a transfer that that is upsetting the, the the rest of the dressing room, and that's something really to take into consideration. I think um, my my always outlook was if a, if a player is not happy at the club and they don't want to be there anymore, just go. You know, just club get the best deal possible for them, and you know, have people at the the, the club that want to be there and and prepared to roll their sleeves up and do what you need to do to to win games of football uh, and, and be together. And I, I don't think that the, the window itself helps clubs at all. Now, I don't like the fact that it runs into the season. I don't think many mm. do. And it's very dramatic now, Franny, isn't it? It's almost like a, a theatre in itself. You know, everyone sits down and what's going to happen on transfer deadline day. It's almost become an element of entertainment, which I guess it wasn't really like that when you were playing. No. And, and you know, why, why can't, you know, I, I might be missing something here, but they, they should have the window for when the season, Premier League start, season starts. That's it. You're done. You, you can't play no more players in or out. It'll make clubs get their business done uh, in good time. And then they'll just have to wait till the next window before they can do any business. And if they get injuries, so be it, you know, they, they just have to, you know, allow for that and allocate for that potentially if it does happen beforehand. OK, well, one thing I do want to talk about is this Anthony Gordon speculation. It looks like he's staying at Everton for now. Um, there was so much speculation around him, of course, with Chelsea allegedly interested. He scored and he did the old fingers in the ears celebration when he did score uh, in the game midweek. Um is that difficult to deal with as a player when there's speculation around you, Matty? What, what is that kind of mentality like? I think for his situation, it's a lot different. He's he hasn't played loads of games. He's he's a young kid. Um, obviously, there's loads of potential and talent there, and he's doing something right to be wanted by rumored Chelsea and and other teams of 
a significant amount of money. So he's doing something right. So he's performing on the pitch and he'll just want to play as much as he can and keep on performing well, whether he stays at Everton long-term or he, he does get a move at some point. But um, you can't take that as any... Dis- it's more of a compliment than a, a distraction, really, because you're doing something right and he's gone and pr- showed that with two goals in two games that he's on form, enjoying his football and he's happy where he's at. And that's sort of a side thing. It's more a compliment to him as opposed to anything else. Now, if he down tools and was playing poorly then those rumours or them transfer speculation doesn't happen because those teams won't be interested anyway and he'll probably keep on performing because if he doesn't then teams won't be interested anyway and he could lose his Everton place I I don't get that when players sort of down tools and sort of give up on the team they're playing for I've I've never got that you've got to keep on performing regardless because it's your own pride your own performance and some just seem to sulk and always look round the corner and think the grass is greener somewhere else when it isn't always the case. Yeah, really was an interesting one that with Anthony Gordon. But Matty, Franny, appreciate your time as ever on the dugout. That is it for another episode of the show for another week. But don't forget if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss next week's edition. And of course, we have new episodes on Premier League football in podcast form every single day of the campaign. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss it. But from myself, Matty and Franny, that is it for now. Have a great weekend and we'll speak to you next time on Football Social Daily. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily